cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. The ground is soft, it's not... It's oh, it's not, heavy. Soft on time. It's, it's, it's heavy. Okay. Hello and a very big warm welcome to the Bar Stewards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. Joining me the, this evening, for the, this evening's fair, is John Lang of John Joe's Blogspot. Good evening, John. Good evening, Lee. And certainly last but not least, it's Essex Finest, uh, Lorne Malvo. Chris, welcome and good evening to you, sir. Good evening to you both. Yes. And uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's just after a big full Sunday roast with the roast buff and then all the trimmings, the roast parsnips, the mashed potatoes, or whether indeed you're on a, a morning walk and, you know, we say something that, you know, makes you stand in some dog feces or walk into a post. I'm sure you still love the bar stewards and we're going to make this show as entertaining as we possibly can. So... We're going to start the show on Saturday's review, which uh, ended up with with the Bent Wells, John and Chris, winning the, uh, the, the the big two chases. The Bent Wells came across, uh, they came, they saw, they conquered uh, the two big uh, sort of uh, chase races uh, on Saturday. What do we make of that? Horrible. <laughs> I agree because, I mean, our tipping is is a is approaching atrocious standards, and I mean. Uh, the, the, to improve to get to atrocious, <laughs> and just 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 to back that up, I mean, I mean, this is where we can take stick, unlike other 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 shows and other other personalities. William Freel commented on YouTube, and he goes, "I'm a credit where credits due sort of guy. Right. I've been I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. Great racing chat, but why oh why are your tips show so shite?" <laughs> I, love it. I mean, I mean that's. I, we love feedback, William. Thanks for that. I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, this this good. Is, yeah, I, we're speechless. We're absolutely speechless. Um, we said we said uh, that the Haggis horse couldn't win the Winter Derby, although Lord North turned out turned out like a woolly mammoth job. I didn't fancy the Lord North situation due to rabbit sharp races. So did, I, I know, but did you see the horse in the paddock? Yeah, I didn't Do you remember when King Swinford ran at Redcar and I and, and I and I had fortunes on it in the Redcar cellar? Yeah. And and Brian was in Australia because they got runners in Melbourne Cup mm-hmm. and and they'd left idiots in charge at yard. And so, <laughs> so so me and John turns up to Redcar this day. Obviously, we we had a good bet on King Swinford. I said it's certainty, John. You know, it's five to four favourite. Turns up in, in the paddock. They haven't even clipped him. You know, <laughs> It was it was like one of them, it? you know like is it Star Wars Empire Strikes Back them Tom Tom wasn't it of the Adams family? <laughs> it was like what Luke Skywalker were riding in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. It was it was areas that. Um, so I mean that was Lord North yesterday. He was woolly. Um, so I suppose for them it's a satisfactory comeback. I was impressed with Alan Kerther. Um, I think he's, he's one one affair there. And I'm surprised. Yeah, and I agree. And I take it on the chin. You know, I said I said on the pod that's the way into the race. Alan Kerr, German, German bred slop monster. 
um, on the on the quick all weather track, and it's pissed up. I mean, you've got to say fancy man's run its race, I think. Um, yeah. I, I thought it had every chance. It was in a nice position. So if you're saying that's 109, like you said, John, that's just about its mark. So maybe a big season for Alan Kerr then um, after the, uh, the winter derby. Don't put it past the shirt not to improve one. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's the shirt is is what me and John were saying towards the end of the last season. We, we said that the shirt, pound for pound, is probably the best trainer in the UK today. He is the best. Yeah. In yeah. fact, yeah. He, he's not strutting about trying to buy MPs or anything. Never mind the probably, yeah. I mean, the jumps racing was uh, pretty shy on the whole uh, uh, Saturday. Um, but uh, Knight Salute, again, defied the bastards, saying we were all unanimously against that by pissing up in the Adonis. The, I felt sorry for my selection, Teddy Blue John, who was coming to challenge at the last, and absolutely, it, was, it wasn't four faults, it was 16 faults at, at the last. It, it was going to be tight, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah. Gonna be tight. You know, the, you could see it was about half a length down jump in the last. It got momentum. Whether the other one would have found a bit more, because it, it was doing it nicely, you know, obviously I don't know. But I mean, uh, someone asked me straight after the race and I said it, it would have been close, but I'm not sure. I couldn't call it. But Teddy Blue was the hope to get nice loot beat and even that plowed through the last. Um, and good old Neville and John, really, on 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 uh, Saturday, uh, holding up with the winners. Neville with the, the winner in Ireland, Carrig Sam. About that. Yeah. Well, was very well bet, so good good tip from Neville. And obviously yourself with Hafita Lane, um, you know, good choice. Very impressive winner at Lingfield. I do like Richard Kingscott, John. I think he's a good jockey. I like him around them sort of places against the scrappy Jordan against well, that's it. I mean, he's rode for Dascom for years around Wolves and Chester and shit like that. You know, I mean, he's used to going around Benz. You probably could, probably confuses him in a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be tracking one off if he was riding me chasing the Judman or something like that, but he's no. perfectly all right down there. Yep. On to something else, because I've had a question. I don't, oh, it was Gurney, who's a good listener of the show, and he says, apologies for my lack of invention, gents, but is it too early to, to ask all those on tonight's show for their one best back and one best layer for Cheltenham? Yes, it is, Gurney, um, because we've got the show, we've got the uh, Bar Stewards first Cheltenham preview show where we're going to cover the handicaps because everyone does all the big races. It's boring talking about Shishkin. We want to talk about the bent plots. Um, and we're going to do that. And it'll be out on th- sometime on Thursday. We're going to record it Wednesday night. Uh, with Wednesday coming and it'll be out on Thursday night. Um, so we're going to say, we're going to keep our powder dry until then. But the reason I've brought this question up now is because I would back one for the Grand National, and, and I'd do it right now um, if if I can be. But I'm not an anti-post person, if I'm honest. But for your anti-post people that like a like a price, um, any second now impressed me immensely uh, on Saturday. I, I I thought it was brilliant. I I, I thought it, that that said to me it was better than ever. It gave Ascari a ten a good lead turning in. 
and 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 got up close home. I think that was the best Grand National trial you'll probably see. You might get a better one at Cheltenham or something like that, but the problem is it's closer to the race, etc., etc., etc. But I think that's the trial. Any second now, I backed in last year's national. It would have won the national last year, but for being incredibly unlucky when nearly brought to a standstill. Um, uh, down the back, he, he definitely would have won the national last year. But I'm the unluckiest man alive, so he was never going to do that. So if I'm not on, if Gurney, if I'm not on, and I'm the unluckiest man alive, twelve to one, any second now, it's not going to be twelve to one on the day. No chance, none, naught. It will be probably half that. So that's the bet that I'm going to put up to you any second now after that brilliant trial at Fairy House in the Bobby Joe yesterday. Um, any thoughts on that, John? I couldn't argue with any of that. I mean, his, uh, his credentials are there for all to say, aren't they, after that performance? Uh, exactly. It's, 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 it's course and distance form in the national. You know, he go, you know, he jumps well. He jump, he, he jumps the fence as well. He was, he was just desperate at one yeah, time. Yeah, he seems to win his every year anyway, doesn't he? So. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of the national... Um, Tiger Roll has been announced there to retire after this year's cons- cross-country as yeah. Michael Mike, Mike Omarde has decided after last year's disgraceful weight, uh, weight, weight allocation that this year's weight allocation was still disgraceful and refuses to run in uh, the world's rich, richest steeplechase. Don't, don't you just wish he'd piss off? It, what, I, I just hate the man. I, 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 to, to be honest, I mean, Rich Richie did mug off punters with his bet bright operation, but at least he developed a mullet so punters could admire that. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Michael O'Leary, I mean, imagine an evening with him, John. Well, unless it was uh, taking part in the suicide pact, I wouldn't turn up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's poor Tiger Roll bowing out after the cross country. Um, and just be just staying on the festival for a little bit. David Maxwell, can he ride a Fez winner? Imagine the scenes. The hats will be in the air. It'll be like the Desert Orchid commentary if Maxwell manages to stay on and not fall off uh, to, 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 to ride a Fez winner. Does he get many rides for Irish trainers, eh? <laughs> Probably not, no. Um, obviously. Winner then, really? <laughs> he won today on Shanto Express at, at Fontwell. Um, and, and he, you know, good old Dave. And I do, I do think though, it's Cat Tiger that he got that he won at Ascot because it's so jaded. And once it hits the front, it stops. That's the best sport on TV. That could be the best sport on TV. David Maxwell in the Kim Muir coming to the last, oh, God. not knowing when to hit the front. <laughs> because if he, if he does it hundred yards out, he's probably beat. If he does it, if he does it before the last, he's probably beat. Um, it's, it's, ah, what a horse, Cat Tiger. Um, You'd be better off staying at home watching it on the telly. Yeah, for sure. Carrying on with Saturday's review just to finish, obviously, the idea was was quite pleasant to the eye for a change. As in, a change, yeah. I mean, Nick Davis, the, the, a bar steward's uh, flat contributor, commented uh, you know, on the idea yesterday. Actually, actually, it was decent viewing for one. Um but Nick, maybe Nick normally has to go into hospital to have his stomach pumped after the game. <laughs> so that's very really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
you know, I mean, this is this is, this is the thing. I mean, the idea is not usually a great spectacle because there's nothing worse than seeing flogged horses, um, you know, finishing 60 lengths, 33 lengths, 25 lengths. But fortunately for Newcastle, they got some decent ground. It was like, it, it was good to soft. And to me, it was riding like good. It, it sent that way. Um, so, and they went a sensible pace. So it was probably actually more viewable than... The normal uh, for an Ida, which can grind you down, as you know, John. <laughs> the, the soul leaves the building. We've gone to Hen Knight. Henrietta Knight uh, this week has made some interesting comments regarding that she regards Irish trainers better than the British counterparts. However, however, I'm going to come to Hen's, Hen's defence. She was on Nick Look this morning. And uh, she commented that she uh, uh, comments being taken out of context. It was merely that the Irish system is better than ours. I do think for all the waffle she spouted about that, you know, they they they, they give them more time. They go slower in bumpers. They they do this. They they used to competitive races. Well, she might have some ammo on that. You know, you used to running competitive fields, big fields, but. I mean, come on, the elephant in the room here that uh, uh, it's weird. It's the only sport I know that refuses to talk about, about drug use um, in its sport. And I mean, it's embarrassing. We've had Bob Baffert. We've had Wesley Ward. We've had the guy in America, I forget his name, that, that got done in a court of law for supplying drugs to trainers that evaded testing uh, the testing facilities, right? We've had the Kildare drug raid. Uh, in Ireland on November the 6th, 2021, and Martin Coyne's been on. He said, whatever happened to this investigation? Can't find any updates online. Under the carpet again, I suppose. Have you guys uh, heard anything? The last thing I heard was just what I've read, which is an article um, in the Racing Post on the 19th of January saying that two trainers were involved. I think we did a show on it, John, uh, regarding substances um, that that still haven't been named. Now, how how can you not know? If you've done the raid on that property, you, you should know every single substance that's on that property by now, what was being given to those horses. I think going cook night will be a good night to give it a good full go, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, they're not they're not they're not having twenty winners plus on a festival for nothing. You know, this isn't. You know, I mean, I've, I've had the Michael Toms, who's a good listener as well. He's he's a good Irish uh, f- uh, follower, and he's, he owns a racehorse in Ireland. And he, we, you know, I think he takes offence a little bit when we go on about drugs all the time. But the the fact of the matter is, you know, these horses are turning up, and they're just turning them into processions. They they aren't turning up, and you know, and, and winning half a length in a driving finish. The, the, you know, the Coral Cup winner last year, trained by the, the the ground trainer that's previously got done for drugging his grounds. Yeah. Um. One by a potato field. I mean, why? Why? Why is everyone turning a blind eye to this and calling it brilliant? It's not brilliant. We we, we shame the Russians in athletics. We shame all drug cheats in athletics, and you know we just kick them out. Why on earth is British and Irish racing above? Like, I mean, the Saudi Cup, for example, Saturday. I had no, no in, I had no interest in the Saudi. I'm not even going to review it because the Saudi racing for me. Again, it's all juices. It literally is all juicing. You know, the, the, the Arabs over there, they're all at it. And it's it's just yeah. it's just not... I, I, I can't be bothered to watch it. 
It just doesn't. It doesn't interest me from a betting perspective. So that's my, that's my interest. No, it, the context of what's happening in the wider world. I mean, it's pretty nauseating, isn't it, to see um, sort of uh, groups of UK journalists sort of sucking up to uh, that particular regime. I, I think you know it was pretty horrible to watch. So so I, I don't think racing's done itself any favours again by failing to read the room. It's just really really awful to see. I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like I, I do find it frustrating how we can't, we don't have to name names, right? No, no, no one has to go on media and, and not and at the races on racing TV and and start naming names. But why can't you? I mean, Aidan O'Brien didn't like it. He said it's pub talk. He says it's all pub talk when you speculate about drugs in in, in racing. I mean, I mean that tells you all you need to know. That tells you everything. That, that it's not pub talk. How, how is it pub talk when Bob Baffert, uh, you know, they're all getting dumb. They're all getting, they're all getting, they're all getting the collar fell. Australians have been milkshaking him for years. Yeah. They, they, look, plenty over there has got done. It's not, so, it's not pub talk when it's coming from Big Jim, is it? Because Jim wouldn't go near a pub because he's such a pious bastard. That's the thing. So, so I mean, Jim, Jim's come out. Jim's come out, and I think Jim personally, I reckon, will be disappointed now because he's he's thought somewhat some of the people might follow him. Jim will know. Jim will know who else knows. Jim will know who's doing it, everything else. And it's like he's probably disappointed that no one's backed him up. Everyone's took the coward stance. And it's typical of racing that. They've all took a step back and said, uh, Jim will fix it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's <laughs> great. I, I should never have said that. <laughs> now then, now then, now then, yeah. Uh, now then, now then, now then, now then, Lynn Hillier, now then. Um, <laughs> jangle, jangle, jewelry, jewelry, hypodermic. Yeah, yeah, general, can you fix it for me, uh, etc. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I mean, Martin Coyne, uh, thanks for your so about killed their drugs, the, the bus there. Uh, no, no one's any the wiser. The last statement that the Irish, uh, the, the Irish horse racing board said was that, uh, we need to remain silent at this time until the investigations are complete. Well, they'll be searching for that, the biggest, thickest carpet I could imagine they could probably find. Um, they might even get Sue, they might even get Sue Gray involved, John. <laughs> well, she's, she seems to know she's got the right profile. She takes a while compiling her reports, doesn't she? <laughs> well, you know, she, she, she's the ideal person for the job then. Yeah, definitely. She's got a big carpet, hasn't she? She's a carpet a lot bigger than Teddy's trilby. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Loving this tonight. Right, we'll move on then. So we've covered that. We've covered Hen Night and uh, the Saturday Review. Uh, we're going to move on to the O'Sheen Murphy ban, which I must, I must admit, when the, the news broke, the 14 months, were, to me, seemed horrific. I, I thought... Jesus, that that's a long ban. And the reason I say this is because when you add up his earnings, you know, it's like saying, well, you know, you probably it's probably going to cost you well in excess of a million pounds. And that and that's probably un- unprecedented. In you know, if this had been say a seven pound apprentice, huh. it might not have made a lot of difference. But um, I, I I thought it was stiff. But then reading the case. According to what the, the case notes said, that he basically deliberately misled the BHA in terms of where he went on holiday and that and the previous offences, etc., with the alcohol um, and the drugs, etc. So 
I think the BHA kind of had enough and just and then slapped slapped a whopping fine. But from my perspective, I will say this because I understand mental health possibly a little bit better than some. And I'm not trying to be, oh, I know more than you, but I, I know because I, I do suffer. So I don't want a professional sportsman of his standard to suffer in terms of, I mean, the one thing that could probably drive me insane is not being able to do my job or not being able to wake up in the morning with a purpose, you know, and I'm sure that he'll still find things to do. You know, he'll be riding out. He'll be, he'll probably be advising, might be at the sales, etc. I can imagine, you know, being very busy, but it's, I'm not, from a mental health perspective, I think it's a very stiff um, ban. I'm not saying it's not justified. I'm just saying that there might be, this might not be the wisest thing to do. What, what your, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Um, Chris, I'll come to you first. I thought it was, I, I agree with you. I, I think without going into the detail, I did think it was an excessive ban. Uh, I'd, I'd probably go so far as to say, I think it, it, it's too much. Now, clearly he's, he's a man with a number of issues uh, with substances uh, and we can only speculate, you know, why he's choosing to self-medicate on that basis he's obviously got a number of internal conflicts that he's yet to resolve but I agree I think 14 months is an awful long time unless there's something that hasn't been sort of you know revealed in the in the papers um mm. but from my perspective I, I think that's a bit harsh um you know but based on based on the information that that, that we know in the public domain it, it does seem excessive yeah uh, agree John John Lane what's your thoughts well, um, I've actually had a message from Terry Norman. Ah, Terry, Terry, Terry for, for our listeners. Yeah, that's that's O'Sheen's jockey's agent. Go on, John. And Terry's one of the few people in racing that doesn't message me to call me a shit house. He's actually just concentrated <laughs> on the O'Sheen business, so I'm quite pleased about that. Yeah, he hates um, me. But... Um, basically it was clarification on uh, what was said on the opening show yesterday when Matt Chapman had the uh, it was a little bit of a row really wasn't it with Adele Mulrennan Adele Mulrennan just seems to be somewhere to the right of Pretty Patel as regards Hangham and Flogham um, which she probably wasn't a couple of years ago when the phone lines to India were tinkling away and think there was getting a coat in but there we go he tells me that uh, for Chapman to keep talking about O'Shane um, being an addict etc and the, the ban won't help him and all the rest of it he thought it was worth clarifying what he'd actually got the time for now we got 90 days for the positive tests but he got 11 months for breaking COVID rules. It had nothing to do with his drinking, but more to do with his arrogance of swerving the COVID guidelines. Right. Now, that is the real question, whether that was too harsh, because they haven't actually really walloped him for the drink. Interesting. So, I mean... I mean- Basically, it's where you stand on on the old the, the hey ho COVID thing. I mean, I mean, it's it's you know obviously some of the I mean strictest. I read today as well some strictest uh, uh, countries like Australia, they haven't when jockeys over there have broke COVID rules, they've not given them nowhere near 
the kind of punishment that O'Sheen's received for, for for COVID rules. But maybe the BHA, like the BHA do, took offence that he lied. And maybe that's that. It's not that you know, you've broke COVID rules and you've been found to break COVID rules, as in someone's just crashed you up. Or... Well, well, it wasn't particularly government COVID rules, was it? It was BHA COVID rules. That's the yes. the crux of the matter. Yeah. You know, because mm. if he'd been found to have broken government guidelines, I'm not sure when he'd be adding in the fridge, Johnson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Waiting for a report to come out. Yeah. But uh, no, the BHA has gone ahead and had, had the inquiry and and given him this. So it's BHA rules he's broken. He's obviously not given much of a monkey's for those rules. And he's got his 11 months for it. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I think I think I how that's been put, I think that's correct. I think I think it is harsh. Um and, and as well, right, what no what no one's considered so far, it's a bit like when if, if you commit a crime and you say to the court, um I'm I'm guilty, Your Honor. I'm I'm you know, I, I I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm I'm gonna take some time out and try and make myself a better human being. And I've got I've got to come to terms with with some of my problems. And he actually did that um, after, you know, after winning the jockey's title, um, which some will say, for example, like Paul Tompkinson says, um, you know, basically should should he have lost the jockey's title? But I mean, I know John, you're 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 going to say on that that you don't give a shit about the jockey's title. <laughs> <laughs> I know your response. I know. Show me a punter that can care less. I was- Champion jockey, honest to God. I mean, they go on about this. There's the jockeys involved, their families, and possibly their agents that give them monkeys. Yep. I've never found anybody else that gives a flying shade. No, not, <laughs> not, not, not at all. Yeah, it's he's, he's he's half true. Um, and I, I think that's that's it, really. Other than that, where you could... I mean, rather than give him such a hefty ban... You could just turn around and say, well, well, we'll award the championship to Buick because you, under our rules, you shouldn't have been riding. So we, yeah. we're going to, for the in purpose for purpose of the uh, championship race, not for the actual races, but for the championship race, we're yeah. going to knock knock off your winners that you rode in that period that you shouldn't have been riding. And therefore, William Buick is the right, if you do like that sort of thing and you do like to watch a champion jockey crown and all this, then... then then Will Buick is the is the rightful uh, uh, throne sitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so yeah, I mean that's where I'd sit on that. But I, I find I find it very untasteful to deprive uh, a fairly young man uh, and and one of the best jockeys in the world, um, who by the way might be an absolute twat off the pitch, but on the pitch he's he seems very endearing and, and he'll talk to the press, he'll talk to punters, he'll talk to everyone on social media. Look at them, they're I mean, let's be fair. Well, that's it. I mean, he's, you know, you're always going to, when when you've got a stroke of genius about you at times, there's always going to, you know, you're treading that fine line. They always said treading a fine line between genius and a nutter. Um, yeah. And, and, and that, that's where it is. And I, I do think, from a mental health angle, that's my angle. Um, that's where I believe they, they should have been a little bit more lenient. If they care about mental health, 
I, I and I know people say, well, what's that going to do with price? It has a lot because why would you want to see this 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 fellow, despite his failings and his mistakes? Why why do you want to see? Why why do we want why do we want to hurt this this fellow? Why do why do we not want to see him till spring twenty twenty three? And um, what racing doesn't take into account as well, Lee, the wasting drives and crackers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, some days, I mean, the only moisture going in is if they suck the fucking toast brush. Yeah. 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 Well, Putin's yeah. got a cure for that, I think, so I don't think we need to worry about the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the moisture content. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a daily mail <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> And uh, full of joys this year. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I mean, this is where we're at, really. I, I, I think we're all pretty unanimous that it, it's quite harsh. Um, so we'll move on, and uh, we wish Oshie Murphy well. And I'm look, I'm not saying off the pitch he's got many supporters because I know from what I've been told in the rumours. But if it's drink and everything that's causing this, and you know, he says now he's teetotal and that that's it. He wants to better his life and get back on the track. Good luck to Oshie Murphy in doing so, but. I do question the BHA's decision-making at times. Um, it seems disproportionate, considering some of the bands they hand out for other things. I mean, you know, if they're worried about public perception of the sport, you think that, uh, I think the public will be less concerned about his breaching COVID rules and some of the animal welfare issues have come up. But there you go. What, what's, what the, what's the 31 grand fine for when, when, when you're going to lose a million quid? Don't know. I mean, he's had to pay for a few dinners at the for the BHA luncheon. Out. Work, works out his percentage on the winners he, he rode that he shouldn't have been riding, yeah. did not he? Oh, yeah. God I, I mean, I mean, the man's going to earn a million quid, surely. And, yeah. I mean, he's going to ride Group 1 winners, he's going to ride Group 2 winners, Group 3 winners, listed winners. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, anyway. Yeah, yeah I, feel, I feel a bit sorry for him. So just one more thing about jockeys, a question from Ewan Hutchinson. He said, do you guys think jockeys, trainers, etc., being sponsored by betting firms as ambassadors qualifies as a contract conflict of interest? Personally, I think it's it's it is. Yes, I mean, obviously, you've seen in the real world. I mean, you know, uh, you've seen <laughs> seen throughout this pandemic, everyone getting some lovely contracts from the government, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of course, if you are um, uh, obviously working in the sport. It is a conflict of interest. Um, personally, I'm not that bothered about it. I can't see what, unless they're stopping races or, or you know, they're giving them information that they shouldn't, which is obviously disallowed under BHA rules. Inside information is disallowed. Um, then yeah. I don't, I don't see the problem myself unless they're breaking the rules. Thoughts on this, chaps? It's about public perception again, isn't it? But, but I suppose because racing is in the um vice-like embrace of bookmakers you know there aren't that many kind of credible sponsors out there other than bookmakers but but you know looking at the optics and and stepping back from a uh, an independent point of view it doesn't look good does it I, I think the net effect of it is as you say the negligible unless they're hooking horses up for bookmakers and there's obviously no suggestion that's the case but it just doesn't look good does it it's just another thing that just just has an unpleasant sort of atmosphere about it so so i i, I would agree with the correspondent but i just don't think it's you know a, a good look john you've got five winners in your lucky 63 with bet three six five <laughs> there's a five furlong sprint 
and Yarhouse happens to be written by Bet365 Ambassador. Yeah. Who's slow taking the blindfold off. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Ooh. Well, I've five winners ever, so uh, I can only... I can only dream of a, of a, of a, of a, of a lucky multiple, but but I take the point. It doesn't look good, does it? No. That, that yeah, fair. That's that's fair point, John. Yeah, I, exactly that. Yeah, should, should that yeah, that kind yeah that kind of just makes it a little bit tricky. I think. Hmm. Yeah. Good point. Uh, okay, we'll move on to our next topic, which is um something that I've added in this evening. Uh, a solution to the levy and BHA funding now. For those of you that are aware, obviously racing's in a little bit of trouble. You can see problems uh, from all sides, really, uh, how racing is struggling in terms of um, horses being sold to run abroad uh, for better prize money, uh, owners racing abroad for better prize money. You can see an exodus to potentially over the next few years in the winter to, say, Saudi Arabia and the, the, the United Arab Emirates to race over there for, for, for better prize money. And I think we're seeing that for the first time this winter. You know, it, it's getting pretty sparse for the better races on the all-weather. The jumps game, very small numbers. And the BHA freely admit that they are in a shortfall of funding. They're, they're, they're basically saying, for example, I've, I've got some figures here, that um, bookmakers only contribute 2.8% uh, to racing's revenue streams in comparison with Australia at 3.4 and Ireland at a whopping 8.4. So maybe that answers some of Hen Knight's um, answers why Ireland might be better because they're getting a lot more cash into the game. And apparently the BHA also said that there's roughly about a £40 million shortfall um, to racing's coffers um, if things carry on. Well, the, the deal's up for renewal next year. I'm pretty certain the BHA will want to change the status quo, which is that they get a yield on profit uh, from bookmakers, and um, they want to change it to turnover. Now, I used to think this was a good idea. Obviously, turnover has got to be better than profit um, in terms of negotiating a deal. However, with the dirty, slimy bookmakers moving the way they are, in terms of single customer view, banning accounts, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. why do the BHA now want to move to turnover when all bookmakers will potentially do is cut more accounts that are, are genuinely not going to? Why would a bookmaker want to pay tax uh, to the to the BHA on an account turning over two hundred thousand a year that doesn't make them any money? So they just pay. They're going to pay the tax on 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 two hundred thousand turnover that you know it's not gonna happen they're gonna cancel they'll cancel more accounts bookmakers are there to make money it's you've seen how it is that's not gonna work so i've got a solution bookmakers currently pay approximately 95 million a year into the tre into the racing treasury coffers so we need to encourage bookmakers to take bets and we need the bha to get the model uh to to get the model where punters are not fleeced in, other, in order to fund the sport so in that eyes then so bookmakers pay a statutory 100 million index linked and punters pay one percent online and off course of their winning bets right like the old betting tax but nowhere near like the old betting tax before people start that was nine percent 
you know, 1% going back into the game from punters. I mean, let's be right. If you win two grand in a bookies, how many times gives Sandra behind the counter 20 quid? Say, I'm going to have a drink tonight. Thanks for serving me. Well, why why shouldn't that 1% oh, yeah, go? Sandra's a slag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we're massive kahunas behind bar. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that you've been wanting to, you know, take out for, a, for, for you know, uh, two uh, yeah, you want to look like Billy Big Bollock, so you give it a shot. Only on Barstow is this, so yeah, so yeah, I thought that's a great idea, guys. So, one percent of winning bets, uh, online and, and on course, unaffected. So, that's another incentive to go on course that you, you're not going to pay any duty. What like the old days, that's why people used to go on course, so it gives an incentive for people to go on course, thinking, well, if I'm having a grand on some, or I want 500 quid on something at threes, and I'm going to win 1,500 pounds, well, and if that's 15 pounds, you know, that, that, yeah. buys a, that buys a couple of drinks. There's lots of reasons and incentives to do things, and I think this this formula is brilliant, because the punters should pay something. We've got to pay, it's our sport, we've got to pay something. You know, we keep moaning at yeah. the bookmakers, but the bookmakers can pay a statutory amount, so it's always fixed, and that should be linked on their on their profits that's so whatever profits they are or market share they've got the more they pay towards that 100 million and that's how it works and it's fair then it's fair across the board no one's fighting no one's moaning and and then but in but in link with that i want the bha to sit down with the bookmakers and say right we are going to take a minimum liability on bets and we're not going to close accounts we're going to encourage people to bet rather than discourage people to bet and we're going to lay a minimum bet amount each time, no matter who they are, whatever. Does it matter, right? You know, you have, and we're going to do it. And we're going to even if it's only hundred pounds. We're going to lay to lose hundred pounds, something like that. Guys, what do you think of this idea? I can't fault it. I think it's excellent. Punters, punters won't mind, as you say. They've got to. Got to pay for something nothing's free so 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 you know that's the way punch make contribution to the sport I, I wouldn't have a problem with it personally who's gonna one percent in the old days weren't they yeah who's gonna miss one percent who's yeah. gonna miss one percent to racing to help it out you know to basically make it a more because the thing is we'll all be moaning if if nothing's done in three or four years time when it's even worse and we've got fields of naught to 55s and naught to 60s and the best horses are all off to king kong and, yeah. and and they're racing in France for big French breeding premiums and big French, you know, I mean, like, I know several French owners now that were in Britain and, and they're, they're making hay. It's, 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 you know, you, 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 if you've got a French bread and you, you, you pick up the French premiums on top of third place, one run, third place with French premiums, you are looking at paying them your month's training. Yeah. I mean, different class. So, I'm, so. I'm making the sound of it, Ray. I mean, we're. In, in a way, we kind of heading back to those glory days of the mid mid eighties, you know. And Putin's trying to put the old band together now, isn't he? And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can go to York and have three quarters of a bottle of white satin before racing at your mother's. Well, like I said, and and it, and it, and it incentivizes on course again, you know, to, if you're moaning, well, go racing. Absolutely. Buy your go racing Yorkshire membership, get cheap entry all season to Yorkshire tracks, and make sure you don't pay your 1% on your winning bets. And get some fresh air. And then everyone benefits. BHA, everyone bookmakers stop moaning, but bookmakers have also got to come to the table and stop closing accounts like they have been. 
Speaking of which, the SCV um, obviously is always always on the table in terms of podcasts now and people discussing it more. Um, just some interesting news about that: that the new deputy chief of staff in Downing Street is David Canzini. Well, you might be saying, "Who's he?" Never heard of him. Yep, you're right. I didn't either. But apparently, I've heard, and obviously, I've got some contacts uh, in 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 the, in the MP world, and. Um, they're saying that he's very, very against SCV. Very against, as in vociferously against uh, SCV uh, in terms of... So that is going to provide some hope to punters going forward, and we need to keep pressing this um, in terms of drumming home that this is bad for the it's sport. It's all on you, Canzini. No, it is. Mr. David Canzini is the new Deputy Chief of Staff, and he is yeah, against SCV, so... <laughs> It sounds dynamic. Yeah, sounds like like sounds like any te- like a forward that plays a winger that plays for Lazio, something like that. Right. <laughs> Zini. It's definitely a footballer winger's name, isn't it? Ah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, anyway, we'll see how that goes. Smacks one in the top corner. <laughs> right, we'll finish off with two fun questions, uh, which are quite good actually. Um, <laughs> Mike Owen's obviously a comedian because he starts by saying, "How many Cheltenham preview nights will you be attending?" Fucking hell! <laughs> um, absolutely, couldn't do anything fucking worse. Honestly, I'd rather have my nasal hair permed than go to a, a Cheltenham preview evening. Dreadful. But, but we're we're doing one. We're doing oh, one this no, week. Oh no! Do an sitting above a pub and. Some old wankers from, from from the press, and you get the usual kind of cliches. You know, this stays longer than the mother-in-law, or or I can't have this one. They won't kick it out the frame, or this is the best Jamie Codd's ever sat on. Couldn't do anything worse. Dreadful. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean the best part about these these nights, especially up north, because us us boys love like a pie and peas and gravy. You know, chucked in for a tenner. You know, none of these southern. I, I went to one about three years ago. Yeah. yeah. At, uh, well, it might have been more than three years now, anyway, because Mary Rayleigh was still alive. She was on the panel. <laughs> and, uh, Cab on target. I, I mean, yeah, she, was, yeah. she was only, by then, she was only a little bit less gaga than Putin. And uh, she was fancying every favourite that was running, everything Willie Mullins churned. Uh, James Ravely was on the panel and he said, well, I don't really give a shit. I'll be riding at POW. <laughs> and uh, the other one was Phil Kirby, who, uh, well, I mean, he's normally a, a good listen, Phil, but he was completely switched off that night. After about 15 minutes, I was just trying to unravel my own, own bowels. <laughs> 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 I, I can confess, I've never actually been to a Cheltenham preview night. Oh no, I have. That's a lie. The producers just waving, waving around like disgracefully. I have been to one. Um, it's one that Brian Ellison did in. I was going to say, didn't you ever have to Matt Brian's cat for all the ones he does? <laughs> it was once. Like me and me and Coo, Christian Strangeway turned up to one. Um, yeah. I think Coo was on the panel, wasn't he? I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it was that. It's it's a blur, but that that's why it's a blur because I weren't switched on either. I were like playing with beer mats and yeah. making, you know, like doing doing origami with beer mats. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> what, what I do with beer mats, I just tear a little triangle out, stick it on the bridge of my nose, and then turn down and say, "What the fuck's wrong with that?" 
I put them in the queues to cover up the holes following all the tips. <laughs> about inches worth now, honestly. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Mike Owen set, it off, set, set us off on Cheltenham preview nights, and Dupont Tom is going to finish the show. And it's quite a funny question, this. Um, but it's for you, John. So, right. so, so me and Chris are just, well, we might as well just put Genesis on or something yeah. um, while, while you're answering this. But he says, for John, this, would you prefer, you've got three choices. Yeah. Nine, you've got to pay £90 to go to the Fez. <sighs> Forty pounds to a Fez preview night. Oh, Christ! Yeah. Or you've got to pay fifty pound, or you've got to got to watch Borough Nil, right? So if I pay fifty pound, I don't have to watch Borough Nil. Um, I can just stay at home and not do anything else. No, no. I think he means. I think he means you've got to, you've got to pay fifty pounds to watch Borough Nil. Oh my Christ! Um. So it's for, so it's forty pound of Fez. If it's good, so it's ninety pounds to the Fez, forty pounds of Fez preview night, or fifty pound to go and watch the Borough. I'd, I'd probably chance the Borough uh, only insofar as I'm, I might get lucky and Hitler might want to bet on something over the jumps. <laughs> and if, if it falls, I'll I'll make me me forty or fifty quid back, and I'll have the joy of him being pissed off for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> John only used to like going at Borough matches because of Tony Pollis and his massive shoes. I mean, it was an amazing thing to say, wasn't it? You know, I mean, yeah. um, you know, I mean, so, so, somebody was on and said, Who makes Tony Pulis his shoes? And I said, Harland and Wolf. <laughs> Charlie Carrode. Five foot five and size 13, John. Oh, very late. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be fair, if a speedboat had been going past, he could have just tagged on and fucking skied. Yeah. <laughs> oh, superb. Right, that's a suitable time to end it. Thank you, Dupont Tom, for the uh, final question. Uh, we're back on when? Uh, well, I say Wednesday. We're recording Wednesday. It'll be available Thursday for a Barstewards bar special. Yes, it's uh, myself... Uh, John, uh, Catherine Fry is in the chair. And, and, uh, filth. and we've got Irish piss in Declan Carroll joining the show for the first time. So we've got the Irish angle, which is what we need, isn't it? We need the bent plots. That's what we're all interested. We're not bothered about Shishkin and, you know, and Rocket and, and Blogger going, it's a Rocket. I hope, I hope Declan knows his periodic table and what's that what. <laughs> So, so Declan Carroll will be joining. <laughs> He'll be joining us for the first time, um, and it should be a corker. So, stand by for that on Thursday, and then we're back on Friday again. If you haven't had enough for our bad tips, you can always press pink. I mean, God, if we're that bad, press keep pressing pink. That's what I'd do. And then, um, and then we're back for as normal for next Sunday sermon. So, we hope you enjoyed the show. And that's all from me, John, and Chris for this week. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.